and I've heard this, I've had clients actually say this to me that like sex is like pizza, like even the shitty pizza is still pizza. It still tastes good. You still enjoy it. Women don't really feel like that. <laughs> like women would rather not have sex than have sex that's really boring or not great. Welcome to What I Love About Sex, where some incredible guests and I, Steph Kanowski, will be bringing you the tools for improving your sex life with topics such as sex issues with your partner, sexual self-confidence, premature ejaculation, sexual shame, masturbation, sharing your fetishes, orgasmic pleasure, and more. Sex is still so taboo, and I personally believe that by improving our understanding and communication skills around sex, we can enhance our own self-pleasure as well as deepening our long-term romantic relationships. So listen in, try to stay open-minded, and let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode on the What I Love About Sex podcast. So... I'm so, so out of it today. So I hope we can get through these points here without me having to restart this podcast 50 times. We are on take three, (laughs) but that's okay. Sometimes that happens. Um, Before I jump into today's topic, which is novelty, changing things up in your sex life, I want to let you know that my YouTube is blowing up pretty quickly. So check out my YouTube at Stephanie Ganowski, if you want to see that other content. And the two pieces of content that are going viral right now is um, how to get more blowjobs and having sex versus making love. So if these topics interest you, check out the description link. Check out the link in the description of this episode and you could watch those videos. Talking about novelty, um, I get a lot of questions like, How do I keep the sexual fire going after so many years? And yeah, there's a few things I want to say about this. The first is novelty can help you have more, have more frequent sex. And if you're having more frequent sex, it can help you enjoy your sex a lot more. Right. So there's some of you who are like, all right, we do it like once a week and it's, eh, it's okay, but I know it has the potential to be a lot better. And then there's some of you that are like, we have sex once a month and I feel like it has to be perfect when we have it. And I I kind of have anxiety around it because if it doesn't go well, what if we don't have it for another three months? So I hear this a lot and novelty is an answer to both of these problems. If you're making little changes in the way that you and your partner desire and actually look forward to, and you know you would both enjoy then sex is going to be something you automatically prioritize more, you know? Um, So this does go hand in hand with making sex a priority. And that's something I often hear, like, how do we, how do we make more time for sex during our daily schedule so that it's not only on vacation? And all of this goes together. Like when you have novelty and you do new things in your sex life to spice things up and you really enjoy it, you look forward to doing it, you, you tend to prioritize it more, but you also have to prioritize sex in order to have novelty. So double-edged sword, um, you, ha- you have to prioritize it. It's one of those things where at first it might feel like you're putting it in the calendar and that might take away some satisfaction. Sometimes it does, right? Like 
me and Andrew had to do that last week. And I was like, look, I know this might feel weird, but we haven't had, you know, we haven't been having sex as often as we do. And I want to make sure that we're both still prioritizing it. And so what about this day? And, you know, we never had to schedule before. So it was kind of put it in the calendar for this time. And we did. And even in the morning, like he made, um, he mentioned it and he said he had a date with me and it was just like, oh, you remembered. And like, oh, this is kind of exciting. Like, oh, what are we going to do? Um, so it was something that although it felt weird in the beginning, it was coming from a genuine place of like, I really want to make sure we're prioritizing this with all the work stuff we have going on right now that's stressing us out and that's making us work a lot of hours a day to the point where we're exhausted. Um, but it's, you know, sex still has to be a priority and to this level. So with us having that conversation and saying, hey, I know that like scheduling doesn't feel like the sexiest thing, but I think we need to do it this week. We understood each other in that moment and the needs of each other. And we went through with it. And then it was actually it was actually nice. It was really nice. And it was it actually built anticipation regardless of the awkwardness we felt in the beginning. So don't feel like just because you have to put it in the schedule that it has to be weird and it's going to be this awkward thing or it's going to crush the desire. It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to. And in order to not, um, in order to make that less likely to crush your desire, introduce novelty. Like bring something out that you normally don't play with, right? Like bring out a certain toy. Maybe leave it on the bed and know that you're going to use it later together, right? Or maybe tell your partner like, oh my God, I'm going to, I want to do this tonight, Okay. And it kind of sparks that interest or, or asking your partner, like, like, babe, how do you want to, um, like, is there anything you want to do tonight that would make it extra fun or extra relaxing? What would you like? Leave it up to your partner can be like novelty can be something completely new that you've never done before that where maybe it's like, okay, that's a Friday night thing. Like that's like two hours to devote to this because it's new and it's kind of takes up a lot of time and it's. It's this kind of crazy thing or a novelty can mean doing something or playing with something that you don't normally, but you're kind of bringing it in after like a year, years of doing or trying or playing with. Um, So it feels like a bit new. And novelty can also mean doing something that you typically do, but you're just switching it up a tiny bit. And this is the easiest way to get into novelty. Like, for instance, if, if she usually like gives you head a certain way and you you tell her, hey, babe, why don't you try doing this? You know, why don't you use your hand like this while you suck it? And it just like comes out of the blue. Like you've never asked her to do that, but it's easy enough. And then she does it. That's new. That's you're trying something new. You're having a new experience together. That's novelty. It doesn't take much effort, right? It's just something that she's doing, she's giving you a blowjob anyway, because maybe she usually does that in during foreplay and she's just adding her hand and doing something a little different. So it doesn't have to take more time. It doesn't have to take more energy. It doesn't have to be daunting to introduce novelty. It's just little pieces of newness, like a little shift, a little change. Hey, let's try this. Hey, let's try this. Um, and that could really, really help because I think people get stuck in routine, especially, especially you guys who are afraid of like, you know, you just, I just know so many guys, I don't even know how to phrase it, but it's like when you're, when you're afraid 
to switch anything up or you're terrified of having erectile dysfunction or something like that because you're like, I hardly have sex. So when I do, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fuck it up. No pun intended. But like you kind of panic around doing anything different because you want that sex to be great since you don't always have it. But you really have to break out of that scarcity scarcity mentality because if you are always doing the same thing over and over, she's going to want it less and less. Um, statistically, women will want it less and less if they're, if the same thing is happening every time. It just it gets boring. And and there's the saying that like a lot of men, and I've heard this. I've had clients actually say this to me that like sex is like pizza. Like even the shitty pizza is still pizza. It still tastes good. You still enjoy it. And women don't really feel like that. <laughs> like women would rather not have sex than have sex that's really boring or not great. It's like we don't we don't really think like, oh, well, it's still sex. We're like, uh, that was just not worth it. Not worth my energy or time or the what I have to deal with with my body now. Like, for instance, like the pain, if you thrust really deep and she bruised her cervix, like it's just not worth it's not worth it in a lot more ways for women than it is for men. Women don't think typically don't think like, oh, well, sex is still great. We're just like, no, it has to be good. Like sex is great when it's great sex. (laughs) And a lot of that has to do with feeling connected to our partner and feeling like our partner cares about what we find pleasurable. And when novelty comes into the picture, like you want to know what changes to make to make it better, right? Like the point of this is to try things to see if you can enjoy sex more together or have new experiences together, which will connect you and therefore make the sex enjoyable. When you're doing new things, even if it's not like, it doesn't have to be like the craziest, most exciting thing, but if you have a little tweak or you have sex in like a car after date night and you never did that or you haven't done it in years and then you initiate it, that's super memorable. It's super sexy. It makes you feel more connected and it's a new experience you shared. Makes you want sex more. At least coming from a woman. That's how I would think of something like that. So try to get out of the headspace that, oh, sex is still sex. It's still great no matter what. Because that's not true for a lot of people. A lot of women especially. You might already not agree with that. Also get out of the headspace that, uh, what was the other thing I was going to mention? That a lot of, oh, if it's not broke, don't fix it. I think that's another way that a lot of men view sex where it's like, hey, like she never complained, um, but we also don't have it that much and it's okay when we have it. It's not great. (laughs) You know, like you shouldn't have the standards of, well, she's not complaining. So just let's not say anything. You want to ask questions. You want to talk to your partner about how she's feeling about your sex life together and what's enjoyable and what's maybe not or what has anything changed that she doesn't want to do anymore in the bedroom like you want to know these things so important to know these things and to have these conversations because when you stop talking about this stuff that's when you stop trying new things um that's when you stop prioritizing sex because it becomes this awkward thing that you're not so certain about then more anxiety comes into the mix then you're wondering if she's actually orgasming And you get so distant and far off from like actually being connected to her and understanding her body when you don't talk to her. You just feel distant. You feel like you don't really know her, what she wants. So you just have sex and then it's kind of awkward after. You don't really talk about it and you just hope it happens again soon. So many people are in that situation and it's just not, it's not fun. It's not, it's, it's not pleasurable. It's not 
fun. It's not satisfying to view sex or experience sex that way. You know, like you want to be able to to talk about it whenever and to just make a random joke about something you did and laugh together about it and just have that space to to talk about it, to try new things, to implement those things and talk about it some more. When you do that, you tend to prioritize it because you realize how much it can strengthen your relationship. And you know that's important to keep strengthening your relationship. So even if it does feel awkward to introduce something new, or even if it does feel awkward scheduling sex, if you've never done it, I know for me, I just shared with you, it was awkward to like have to do that and feel like, oh my God, are we this old where we have to do this? Are we this, like, are we not into each other enough that we have to do this? You know, like, trust me, a lot of thoughts flooded my head before I told Andrew that we have to schedule our sex (laughs) the other week. Like, I still get these thoughts too, even though I know it's important to talk about this stuff. So I'm still a human with the same thoughts and, you know, insecurities that pop in and feeling awkward or tense introducing certain topics. But I know that on the other end, it's going to feel so much better. I will most likely have sex the way that I want it or when I want it. And he's going to understand where I'm coming from. And then we're both going to prioritize it when we feel the need to. So it's okay. It's okay to have a really busy schedule and to go even a few weeks. If you go a few weeks without sex, don't panic. Don't freak out. Don't feel like, oh my God, it's this is so bad. No, like I have clients all the time. I have a couple, I have a couple clients who have really healthy sex relationships with their partner in terms of frequency. Like they will fuck like four to five times a week. And then they'll have a few weeks where there's no sex because of their schedule. And they don't panic about it. They're just like, oh yeah, like it's it's kind of funny how like last week we had sex four times and this week nothing. But that's life, right? And like we laugh about it because it's it's true. Like that happens. And as long as you you're communicative with your partner and you know each other what each other really wants, you know, that's that's not an issue. That's just life. Everything goes in phases and sometimes we do things that we're focusing in on a lot more and other times it's something else. It's really interesting because even though Andrew and I have a healthy sex frequency in my opinion, I was just sharing this with him before this podcast, actually, we were talking about it on our podcast, which is called Sex and the Office. I was sharing with him how I sometimes feel like a pressure to have sex a lot being a sexologist. And I told him it's kind of like peer pressure because I have all these people who are like, oh, you probably have sex all the time and it's probably amazing all the time. And, and, um, oh man, like, your boyfriend's the luckiest guy because you love giving blowjobs and this and that. And then it gets in my head to the point where I'm like, (laughs) like if Andrew doesn't want to have sex with me or he's just like, you know, he's not in the mood, then I'll be like, you should be in the mood. I'm a sexologist and I love giving head. (laughs) It's kind of like this, you know, this whirlwind of thoughts that comes from what I hear on a daily basis over and over again and the expectations people have um, about my life. And I told Andrew that I caught myself the other night being like kind of bitter about us not having sex. And then in my head, I was like, well, I wouldn't really want it anyway right now, but I feel like we should be having it. And then I was like, whoa, what the fuck was that thought? (laughs) Like, I'm not even in the mood and I don't even want it. 
And there's a part of me that's mad that we're not having it. Meanwhile, we're perfectly happy, like making jokes and cuddling together in bed. Like it was so, I just knew it was coming from that external pressure, right? It's how I interpret it. But it was just so interesting to kind of catch that thought and be like, okay, woo, slow down. Like I don't always have to be hyper-focused on having sex just because I'm a sexologist. Like I can also have phases and Andrew and I can have phases where, where maybe we're more focused on work than we are our sex life, which is definitely the case right now. Like we are grinding <laughs> and hardly see each other throughout the day because we're just on calls and we're just working nonstop. So yeah, it's just not the phase where it's like flirty and fun and adventure. This month has been a very getting our hands dirty, getting shit done. So that's how you have to look at it. It's like, is this a time in my life where I really need to focus on sex and nurturing that part of the relationship? Or is it okay that it's not as frequent as usual? Like, can we be okay with that? And if I don't feel okay with that, can I talk to my partner about it until I feel okay with that? Because as long as you're talking and you're understanding each other and understanding where you're both at and that you're showing desire for each other in different ways on a consistent basis, then you're fine. And I think that's another really important point to make novelty easier for introducing is to keep the desire in your communication. Keep that going, always. You need to keep dating each other. You need to feel like there's some sort of sexy energy in the air between the two of you. Otherwise, sex becomes less frequent and awkward and just it's not good it's it's not fun anymore when you lose that sex appeal between the two of you regardless of how busy you are you have to keep the desire in the relationship and that could be leaving sexy notes for each other or grabbing each other as you pass by you know in a sexual way uh, or letting her sit on your lap or telling her to sit on your lap randomly throughout the day like it's not going to lead to maybe you just want to talk to her but it's like in a sexual like she's sitting on your lap and you're you're holding her and maybe like grabbing onto her butt or something you know like those little acts those little acts they're not they don't take up a lot of time they're not like sexually overt they're just like but they're sexual in nature and they show desire and they show that erotic energy is still present back and forth that's what you need when you have that regardless of how much sex you're having you will feel a sense of stability in your romantic relationship and you'll feel like, okay, we're good here. You know, like our sex life is great, even if you're not physically having sex. <laughs> so yeah, that's important. And I've definitely brought that up to Andrew before when there was a different phase of like work, work, work. And I said, you know, there's so much work, but I'm not feeling anything from you. And it's making me feel sad and distance from you. And I'm, I, I love when we're really connected through our, our sexy jokes and when you touch me like this. And I love that so much. And I would, I would love if you kept doing that. And by me giving him examples and telling him like, hey, when, I, when you walk through the kitchen and I have a moment to connect with you, look me in the eye. Or like if I come and hug you randomly, like just put your phone down for two seconds and like hug me back. There's a moment where I was giving him these specific examples of how I felt like I was making attempts for connection and affection and he was so zoned into work and how that made me upset and how I missed it and how I love when he did A, B, and C. 
And that way he was able to realize, oh, like, yeah, I didn't realize I was so, you know, tied into tied into work. You know, we hired these new people, a group of new people at once. And I've just been had so much on my mind, but I'm glad you brought this up to me. And I'm going to I'm going to really try to to do those things and be more mindful of that. I didn't even realize I was doing that. So having conversations like that where you're able to share with your partner when you do feel distanced in that erotic way so that sex doesn't become distant. Because I know if I didn't mention that to him at that time, we would have grew apart, maybe not in our friendship, but in our erotic romantic relationship, it would have created this awkward space to where sex would not feel natural to go into. So when you have the conversation and you're upfront with like, hey, this is how I'm feeling about this. I don't feel great about it because I want to feel close to you. And this is what makes me feel close to you. When you do A, B, and C, can you be more mindful of doing that more? You know, like that's so specific. It's so targeted. I'm also not blaming him. I'm just saying I miss this and I feel like we're distanced right now and it would make me really happy if we brought this back into our relationship and you were mindful of that. You know, so no one's attacking anyone. It's just, hey, here's how I'm feeling. And I would love if you did blah, blah, blah. And then you just, you listen in. And to listen in when your partner's giving you criticism like that or just really speaking from the heart and sharing how she feels, you really want to do your best to listen, not like defend yourself. I I think it could be really easy to defend. And even... A great listener might still feel a great urge to defend oneself and be like, okay, well, I did this and I thought I always do this. And what about this? You know, like that doesn't help your partner with what they're feeling. They're asking for something specific and they're not feeling it. So you have to understand why they're not feeling it if you're doing all those things and understand what's in the way or what's missing. Or you just have to listen and be like, Okay, babe, moving forward, I'm going to really be mindful of, of those things. I didn't realize how, you know, whatever. So those conversations are key. And those are the, those are the tough conversations you need to have. I, I wouldn't say frequently, but they can come up more often than you think. And it doesn't necessarily mean, I mean, sometimes they come up more during certain phases of life with certain things going on. Right. And then sometimes they they're they're more sporadic. But when they come up, don't feel like, oh, this is bad. It's not bad. It's just you're feeling something. Your partner always assume the best. I shouldn't say assume because I'm always telling you guys not to assume. But <laughs> believe that your partner has the best intentions and wants the best for you and that they're your teammate. They're on the same side as you. So when you think that way, it makes it easier to talk to them. And when you talk to them, it makes it easier for you to come across in not a judgmental or blaming tone, but like, babe, I'm feeling really sad because I I just feel like I feel more distant from you lately, even though we're on, under the same roof and it's it's making me sad and feel a little anxious. And I, I don't know if it's like my anxiety or if you're really just not connected to me or you're not present or, you know, for whatever reason you feel you can't be present. So I just wanted to talk to you because... I love you and I don't want to feel this way. You know, like you would never respond to a partner who talks like that to be like, what the fuck? (laughs) It's just, 
that's how you need to talk when it when it comes to something that is is in the way for you or you're concerned about believing your partner has the best intentions and therefore using a tonality and words that that communicate you know i miss you i love you i would love this i'm curious as to why and there's no there's no harshness in there there's no blaming there's no turning away um there's turning towards and this is the concept that john gottman always talks about right like turn towards your partner and he says that he said in satisfying relationships partners were turning towards each other 86% of the time and in relationships that were headed towards dissolution partners were turning towards each other 33% of the time and then he said it's the small things we do with and for our partners every day that carry the most weight in the quality of a relationship and how we perceive our partner right so when you have conversations like this and you get used to handling things together in a calm loving way and you really believe that your partner has the best intentions for you then whatever happens in your relationship if it can be taken one way or another like if a joke can be taken as a mean thing that was said or a joke if you truly believe that your partner is always on your side because you have enough conversations to prove that, you're going to perceive that moment as a joke. And you're not going to think twice of your partner making fun of you or talking down at you. But if you're in a partnership where you're constantly turning away from each other and whenever you try to bring up honest conversations about feelings, your partner's like, all right, I don't have time for, come on, like, let's, let's move on here. Or no, it's not that big of a deal. Or no, what are you crazy? Like, I would never, I wasn't thinking that. Then it creates a certain anxiety. You feel like you're never truly connected. You're not sure if they're really on your side. And therefore, in the same situation of a joke, having the ability to go either way, like as a joke or as something that was said that was mean, you're more likely to perceive it as mean if, the majority of your relationship doesn't have that safe, non-judgmental communication of being on the same team. So if you don't feel like you're on the same team, you're going to perceive little areas of your relationship in a negative way. And those are going to build up and you're going to have more and more of them to the point where you have all this anxiety about the relationship. You don't feel good. You don't know why you can't really trust your partner. You don't know why you don't feel completely emotionally safe with your partner you, you can't really try new things during sex because you don't have that safety. You feel a little insecure around your partner because you, you're not sure if you could say certain things. Like so much, so much shit comes from not being able to have conversations where we believe we're on the same team, we're on the same side. Um, and I think this is why friendship is so important and uh, essential to long-term relationships romantic relationships because if you don't have a strong friendship like friendship is rooted in all this stuff right like the trust and being able to laugh with each other and wanting the best for each other and supporting each other and being on the same team doing it together right like that's like a lot of what friendship is and if you don't have that baseline with your romantic partner then it's it's harder to have the conversations that are that are more um delicate and potentially could lead, uh, could be taken as criticism or awkwardness or tension or insecurities that the topic of sex has. So yeah, I just went on a rant. I hope all that made sense because 
I'm so tired. And <laughs> I was just talking and talking and I'm randomly like, is this making sense? I kind of feel like I'm all over the place. <laughs> but sometimes I feel that way when I'm ranting and then people are like, oh, it totally made sense. So I'm just going to run with it. But yeah, guys, that is it for today. We'll leave it there. And don't forget to check out my YouTube at Stephanie Ganowski to see some videos. Have an amazing morning, evening, or night, wherever you are in the world. And we'll talk to you soon. I hope this episode helped you. If it did, I would love for you to leave me an iTunes review. It would mean the world to me. You can also screenshot your favorite episodes and tag me on Instagram at Steph Ganowski. And before I go, remember, your sex life is as good as you make it out to be. Until next time.